Today, Angela Charlton, who comes from a family of 15 kids. Angela Charlton teaches AP government at St. James Academy in Lenexa, Kansas. In the past, she's done a lot of jobs within both public and private schools. She's been a teacher, a coach, an activity sponsor, a dean of a community with over 100 students, a committee member, and a leader. She's taught history, sociology, psychology, intro to law, other classes, plain government, AP government, and many other things. Just looking at her, you'd never know that she was the 12th of 14 kids. 15. 15 kids. Her parents had 15 children. She lived in a small village, and that was just inside of her house. (laughs) Now she's happily married and has four children, including podcaster Michaela Quinn of the Live Free Podcast with Michaela Quinn. Today she's here to discuss what it's like to grow up in a family of 15 kids and two parents and and who knows what else was going on. Hey! (laughs) That's a good good thing. Who knows what else was going on? (laughs) Okay. Can you name all of your brothers and sisters in order? Yes. No, I probably couldn't do ages, but I can name them all. Okay. Mary, um, Bob, Joe, Denny, Cece, Pat, Jerry, Chrissy, Marty, Mimi, Frank, Angie, Gretchen, Katie, and Amy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, how far apart is the youngest from the oldest? Um, I know between myself and the oldest, I think there's 15 years. <clears throat> so I would imagine it's probably maybe 20 years difference between my youngest sister and my oldest. 20, 20 years? 20, 22, something like that. 20, 22 years apart. 15 kids in 22 years. Yeah, my mom always said she wanted a dozen. Okay, well, she I got... I who says that, but my mom did. She got her wish. <laughs> and were, a, few extra, a few extra referees. Were there any pets? Oh, yes. Um, well, I had a cat named Garfield, and it had six toes, uh, which was interesting. And then my brothers um, sometimes would have a dog. My, bro- my brother Frank had a dog one time named Motley. After Motley crew, he was a metalhead. Um, and my older brothers had a dog named Wolf. So, yeah, cats, dogs. But cats, dogs, when we grew up, they had to live outside or in the garage. They were not allowed to be in the house. How many at the same time? Pets? Yeah. Probably one dog, one cat at the same time. Okay. I mean, how big was the house? I mean, was it crowded? Um, the house was real big. My dad actually built it himself. Um, he built it on the property of where... Holy Trinity Church is kind of right now where the parking lot is. That's where our house was. Um, we had five bedrooms upstairs, and I believe when he originally built it, there were three bedrooms in the basement. Okay, so that's eight bedrooms, basically. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds like you could get away with just two people per bedroom, almost. Uh, at times, yes, but I actually shared a room um, with two other siblings, so there was like a bunk bed and then a regular bed, and then... Um, we'd have three dressers. Two okay. would be out, and then one would be in the closet. So, okay, were you? How big was your room? Um, in my opinion, I would say the room was small, but it was probably you know not not terribly too big because I mean it was enough. You could have literally got in one of the rooms. You could have gotten two sets of bunk beds um, in it. Uh, but at one time there would be a set of bunk beds and then another twin bed and then two or three dressers in there. You didn't have a lot of room for stuff. Okay. I just had your room. Just trying to get a picture of the whole thing. Did you always have enough to eat? My mom knew how to grocery shop to the T. Meaning she knew how to plan meals. She was a coupon clipper up like you wouldn't believe. Um... She, oh gosh, she knew, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but she planned meals. I mean, it would literally, like, Sunday nights, my dad would always barbecue chicken, so we always had barbecue chicken. How many chicken pieces that took, she knew exactly how much to get. Um, Mondays or Tuesdays was usually, like, roast, um, which was awful, because I hate it. It was super dry. Um, And then it just varied um, throughout the week, but, like, Friday, Saturday, You'd have those those fifty cent Totino's pizzas. My mom would buy like ten of them, um, and you could only cook one at a time. So you'd had to wait. Like if you were like me, way down the line, you'd have to wait to get a piece of the of the pizza. 
Um, you only, we only got pop on Saturdays, and then remember those little mini, little like pimento dip um, containers, those jars? My mom would save those jars, and that's how much pop you got. You put two gigantic ice cubes in, and you really got like, you know, three tablespoons of pop. I mean, was she buying like generic soda? I oh, mean- always, the, you know, Shasta, best choice, the, the cheapest that she could find unless she had a coupon and it was on sale. How, how did you guys afford things? What did your dad um, do for a living? My, well, that's a good question. Um, my parents never went to college. Um, my dad was a lumber foreman. Um, and there were, I remember, many years where he didn't have a job. Um, the economy back in the 70s and 80s was um, not that great. So um, we just got by um, as best as possible. So but my parents, we didn't go on vacations. We didn't have an air no, we didn't have an air conditioner in the house. We didn't have luxury things that a lot of people had. Uh, we had one bathroom upstairs, a full bathroom. That was it. Um, when my dad built the house, it, it had called for all these things, but they decided to opt out. Like the master bedroom didn't have a have a shower. It just that's just how my dad and my parents did it. They got by with, with I guess you could say as little as possible. Wait, one bathroom mm-hmm. in the, the bathroom. in the house. In in the house, and, the, and now in the basement, they put in like a makeshift shower. They would just hang a curtain from the ceiling rafters, the pipes, and that's because like all the boy, the older boys, that's where they would they slept down in the basement, and so they just had that makeshift little shower. There was no toilet down there. There was um, a bathroom on the main floor. There was a full bathroom upstairs, and then a half bath in the master bedroom. I am thinking the bathroom had to be a war zone. Um, you, you had to fight to take a shower. If you wanted hot water, you had to get up early, early to get a nice warm shower. I mean, how many years did it take you to figure that out, that I have to get up early if I want to get warm water? Um, <clears throat> uh, like, when you got ready for high school, um, like, and I went to school, there was... It was four of us, so my three siblings and I would go. So four girls trying to get ready in the morning. If you didn't take a shower the night before or didn't or didn't need to take one, you had to get up by like 6, 6.15 to get in the shower. Um, and if you're lucky, you got a 10-minute warm shower. If you were number two, you took the fastest shower you ever could because you had cold water. Did the first person in line hog the shower? Oh, gosh, yes. So they would suck up 15 minutes worth of hot oh, water. Yes, yes. Did you even know what warm water was until you were in high school? Um, I knew it lasted very little. <laughs> it didn't take, you only got a few minutes. <laughs> okay, now I'm thinking about like little treats that people enjoy like ice cream or chocolate. Uh, how often? Rarely. I mean, ho- holidays, yes, or your birthday. Uh, but like treats, like pop was a treat for us. So, like, again, I, I, like I said, my mom would buy pop, but you only got it Saturdays. Fridays or Saturdays if you were lucky. And that's when we got popcorn, Friday or Saturday nights. And it was just a little bit, a little jar, that's all you would get. Um, and my mom had an ear. She could hear anything. Uh, so if she heard you in the garage trying to sneak in the freezers or open up the pop or the kitchen cabinet, she would call you out and get your butt out of there. You're not eating. Like, she knew exactly how much... Um, to have and to survive off. And there were times where <clears throat> milk was very expensive. My mom, we had powdered milk. Oh, um, <laughs> nothing I ever want to experience again. So I think my parents bought that once to have us save money. And uh, once and only once. I mean, it was just absolutely revolting and disgusting. And I think they just... Revolting is a good word. <laughs> they just made cuts some other place. Yes. That's basically what that boiled down oh, to. And there, there was, I remember, eight, like 87th and Lackman, um, or actually 95th and Lackman, before all the, those houses were built, there was a family friend, the Bames. They had a farm right on that property, a big old farm. And my mom would go there once a week, every couple weeks, and get eggs, brown eggs from them, um, which was cool. Because, you know, well, it was cool, but you also thought it was kind of crazy that your mom's buying eggs from a lady who, who's your family friend that... That's just kind of what we did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys kind of maybe grew up more in the suburbs, and I grew up in a very rural town in Iowa. And for me, that would have just been a more common thing, that you're buying eggs from your friends. But I can kind of see the point being here. Okay, so tell me a really crazy story from childhood. 
Oh gosh. When I fell off the backstop, when my sister blinded me, um, when my brother knocked me off this gigantic thing, bounced me off, and I fell. Um, I, what, what do you, God, what do you want to know? Uh, I, I guess injuries and near-death experiences. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we lived next to Holy Trinity, so right next to us was the Holy Trinity playground. Um, and they had a backstop, and so it was a pretty decent-sized kickball baseball field. And when my brothers would play baseball, it was notorious for them to break the school windows because they would hit a hit the ball really far and break windows in. Boy, that was not good. Um, but I climbed up there one time, and there was a rope hanging from the top of the, the backstop. And me thinking I'm invincible and I'm just as tough as my brothers. I climbed up there. I thought I was going to be a monkey and swing. And little did I know um, that I, last I remember, as I was dangling and then I fell flat, um, kind of knocked me out, broke my arm. What? Yes. Um, not good. So, uh, those types of injuries <laughs> were normal. I remember one time I also, second, it was second, it was the second grade. My sister was getting her confirmation and like we grew up, you got up, you did your chores and you got out of the house. You go, you just played. Um, and so we were playing, um, hide and go seek in the front yard. And I don't know why I decided that, um, the glass window in the front was going to be base. So you're playing hide and go seek, and of course I run up there and you know I slam my hand in, and as I you know I'm slamming my hand into the glass window, I'm yelling, "Oh, I'm free! I'm free!" Slice my wrist open. I see my mom come walking through. I'm like, "Who the heck broke another window?" And there's blood gushing everywhere. And my mom's like, "Oh dear God, we got to take you to the hospital." Uh, to get stitches. And when I heard the word stitches, it just freaked me out. Um, but in another crazy instance with that, my mom not mom dad not having a lot of money and I guess you could call her cheap. Um, she didn't take me back to the hospital to get the stitches out. These weren't the type that dissolved. She took me over to our friend, the Baines, who had the farm. She held me down and my mom cut out and ripped out all the stitches. Wow, that lady must be like a millionaire. She's supplying eggs. She can take on stitches. Like, is there anything she can't do? Oh, no. So those are just crazy stories. I mean, that's just... Okay, now, if you've had three injuries, and if there were 15 kids, then three times 15 is 45. I'm just thinking there could be like 45 broken bones, contusions, lacerations. Yeah, I remember at the... The school, Holy Trinity, was right next door, and they used to have a playground, and they had a merry-go-round, and there was a section of the merry-go-round gone. And I'm on there with my brothers, and there were some other um, kids on there, um, and this is in the evening, and um, I don't think I had my shoes on. And I was trying to put my foot out in the middle of the thing, and my foot collided and went under and folded under, and I broke my, I, uh, broke my ankle. Oh my God! So I remember staying there, like I wouldn't get off the merry-go-round because I couldn't walk, and I had to have to tell my brothers and sisters, "You guys got to go get my mom, go get mom, dad. I, I can't move, I can't walk." So I had to hobble home. Um, so yeah, injuries. Um, one time, my sister we were playing baseball in the field, and my sister warned me, told me to move, and I said, "No, I'm going to catch the ball." I didn't have a glove, <laughs> but I caught the ball in my eye socket, and I got a big old black eye. Oh my God! Yeah. So yeah, those were just. Do you have a lot of scars? Um, not a lot of scars. I mean, I have the one for my stitches, but um, no, not. I mean, not that I can think of. But you know, broke an arm, broke a leg, broke a wrist. Okay, now I've seen families with four kids where it just seems like everything was absolutely chaotic, and the parents just couldn't manage anything. Um, and I, I'm not trying to pick on them, but it, it was just hey, the kids were just kind of packed tight together in age and uh it just i don't know maybe no schedule no pattern something like that and then i i know this other family they have nine kids and it's almost run like a military unit and i I would just really kind of like to know how did it work in your household Um, you know you didn't cross mom or dad you um you just didn't do that like mom or dad said to do this you do it um did the older ones also enforce oh, that on the younger absolutely, ones? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when some of them got older, it was common for them to kind of be the drill sergeant to a certain extent. 
Um, so you pretty much did what you were told. Um, so I wouldn't say materialistic, if that's the correct way to say it. Um, but I would say strict. You just didn't mess with mom or dad. Okay. Um, so, uh, so what time did your parents get up in the morning? Oh, gosh. Um, my, my dad would get up between six and seven. My mom, I think, especially like when it was school time, she was usually up by like seven. Start her coffee and, you know. Was it kind of run like clockwork? Like Oh, very regimented of what she did. Because um, she didn't work until I was in like seventh grade. And so I had three of her siblings. So by the time I think my youngest was third or fourth grade is when she went back to work. Um, but so, yeah, she, yeah, it was... And like I said, like the menu, the food items for the week, she knew exactly how much she bought and this, that, or the other. And don't, did, you, you were not allowed to mess with what she bought because she, it had a purpose. And so if you ate it out of like your turn or at a time, that was not a good situation. So, so roast on Tuesday and that's that. Yes. And, and probably comes with certain sides, et cetera, and that's yes. what we eat. Well, and like, if we ever had pork chops, like, I would have to share a pork chop. Okay. And I remember, this is a crazy story, but I remember I'm in high school, I went over to my boyfriend's house for dinner and they were having steak, and I'm like, never had steak. Like, who has that? Like, you only get that at a restaurant. And I remember um, his mom slapped this big old steak on my plate, and I was like, who do I share this with? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, there's a lot of freaking meat here. She's like, that's yours. And I'm like, the whole thing is mine? I'd share a pork chop. So yeah, it just kind of how I, how I was raised. Just how it worked. Yeah. Okay, uh, teenage years, uh, crazy story from the teenage years. Oh gosh. Because I'm thinking there's got to be at least one rebel in the bunch. Um, I think my siblings and I were all our own rebel in our own way. My, my, my younger brother, or my, my, he was a year older than me, um, he was probably more of the rebel because we were all um, into sports. Like, we kind of knew, like, if you wanted to go to college, college was all on your own, that it had to be through academics or sports. Mm. Those were your two outlets. Um, but my, my brother, probably being, I think, um, grown around nothing but girls, um, he did sports, but he was, it was not really his forte um, to a certain extent. Now, some of my older brothers, sports was their forte and it helped them get through college. So, yeah. What got you into college then? Sports, academics. Which sport? Um, well, I did go to um, Juco for two years. Well, I, Juco, I did volleyball and track there. Okay. Um, so that paid for that. Um, I could have. Um, God, I really wanted to go to K-State my freshman year, but um, plan didn't work out that way as I um, found myself pregnant and had a kid, so um, opted to sit out. I went to school the first semester, and the second semester I sat out, and then after that is when um, the, the volleyball and track coach at Johnson County Community College gave me a scholarship, so I did volleyball and track there. Cool. So that paid for that. I could have gone on further, but I decided not to. Were a lot of your brothers and sisters uh, athletic that way and get scholarships that way? Yeah, um, several were. Um, if it wasn't, like I said, if it wasn't the um, athletics, it was the academics. Um, we just kind of knew, like, if you wanted to go anywhere or, or do something different, you had to have one of those avenues to feed on or to feed you that. So, was there one who was like a real brainiac in the family? Uh, my older, my oldest sister. Um, she has multiple degrees. Um, she's very, uh, very intelligent. She writes poetry. She's done all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I have a younger sister. She's a pharmacist. Um, she's very science, math, um, brilliant in those areas. So Okay. I mean, your parents seem like they did really well at getting your kids into college, given the fact that neither one of them went to college at all. Uh, why, why this big emphasis on college in the family? I guess maybe we're in that era where, well, where yeah. people are pushing college. And, and I don't, you know, I would have to probably say, I don't think my parents really did much to help us get in there. It was, you, you got to figure it out. And I think, you know, 
that the school we went to, um, the high school, was, you know, what are your college plans? And it was kind of like you did what everybody else did. Um, but knowing that you didn't have any money to pay for that, like you had to have an avenue that it would help you get a scholarship. Because So I suppose all those one of those things that you... Um, you want something better for yourself and you want to kind of develop your, your own future. And so that's how um, my siblings and I saw things to, to get out of something better, you know, to have a mediocre style home. Uh-huh. Um, if you want something better, you have to go work your butt off for it. And so it was through schooling. What age were you when you first really realized, oh my gosh, I've got to land at least one scholarship that I, I really have to do this? Um, it's probably between my sophomore junior year, and I know my junior, it's my junior year, um, in track, I found some success throwing the javelin, um, it became, the javelin for women, um, became kind of new, I believe it was my sophomore year, but my junior year I kind of took on to it, um, and I, I won state that year, but it was really kind of, Cool after that is when I started to get a lot of um, college letters um, and phone calls from colleges very interested in, hey, we wanted you to come out for a visit, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I got to do good. I like this. Um, so that was very enlightening for me of, of, of finding an outlet of to, to find a way to get college paid for, at least in some form or fashion. I, did you just love throwing the javelin, or were oh, you more, more excited by the college prospect, or was oh, it I all of the above? The and then in college, I threw the hammer, and I loved that. Um, I wish I could have thrown more and learned more about it, but um, I, I opted not to go on um, to do um, athletics after um, my two years at Juco, just because I had a daughter I had to raise. Um, but I loved, loved throwing the hammer, loved throwing the javelin. I just, it loved it. How many of the uh, the 15 kids went on to college? <sighs> went on to college? Yeah. At least for a We've while. We've all gone to college. We all went to college. But how many of us have actually graduated um, from and have, a say, a, a bachelor's? One, two, I think three or four did not get a bachelor's. But, um, like my younger sister Amy, I think she did go to college, but I don't think she, she may have her associates, but um, she had formalized training in like the travel industry. Um, so she, her, it's a little bit different. Um, my brother Frank, he did college for a little bit, got some hours and credits, but he didn't finish. Um, same with my an older brother, Jerry. Uh, and my other sister, Cece, I think she took a lot of hours um, and credits, but I don't think she's ever fully finished a specific like, bachelor's degree. Everybody did something that was mm-hmm. kind of advanced, mm-hmm. or they got into a program or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm just kind of amazed because your parents just really seem like they, they created an atmosphere where that was possible, but having no college experience themselves, I'm, I guess I'm just hats off to them. I'm just yeah. pretty impressed with the yeah. whole thing. Uh, okay, um, thinking just about a few of your siblings here, is there one that you would describe as, I don't know, being the uh, the bashful one? Um, which sibling would have been considered bashful? And if you don't want to mention their names, you could change their names. You could call them like Lacey, Tracy, or Macy or something. Um, I would say one of my younger sisters was I would, would have considered back then um, more shy. Um and, and when you say shy, when you're such a big family, <laughs> speaking out sometimes required you to have to be really loud uh, to get uh, notice if that if means anything to you to a certain extent. You just assume everybody's deaf, basically, or <laughs> close to it, and you just... You want attention, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta speak up, so, but I did, there's one of them, she's younger, that I think she was, she would have been considered, um more bashful, more shy. How does a kid like that not slip between the cracks? I, I think it's possible you can slip through the cracks, but I also think, um, uh, how do I say this? Um, an under, I can't think of the correct word I want to say, but an underwritten kind of thing and being in such a large family was this this notion of kind of competition Mm. so 
were we competitive against each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, not just in, in athletics, but academics. So, you know, that in itself pushed you to want to be better. Because in a large family being, when you, I heard this a lot growing up, oh, you're Marty's sister. Oh, you're Chrissy's sister. You're Mimi's sister. And it's like, no, they're my sister. So hearing that a lot can, sometimes can take a toll on you. Like, no, 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 I want to be my own individual self. But you want to be just as good, if not better, than what they accomplished or did. Mm. So I know for me that that every time I heard that, I wanted to be better. See, they tell us as teachers, don't compare the younger one to the older one. Because, and then it's kind of funny, if you read just a little psychology, there's the whole birth order theory that the second one is always opposite of the first one in the first place anyway. So then teachers will maybe compare the older one to the next one. Um, and then they're going to be polar differences anyway. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of interesting. Like whenever you were in school, did you, you did get that a lot. It's like, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. you're absolutely, um, grade school and high school. Oh, you're such and such, you know, sister. Um, and even like now, um, and this is funny, Tim, because it was at conferences. Um, I had a mom, um, who came up and she's like, you know, she kind of like, she's like, what's your maiden name? And I told her and she's like, oh my God, I knew your brother, Bobby. I went to school with Bobby, and it's just, uh, you know, just when you hear those types of things, it's like, okay, you know. Um, You're like, you have a crush on Bobby. I get it. <laughs> have been in school for 30 years, 40 years, whatever. But it was when you hear those types of things or um, people have a scene, like, oh, how's your, you know, such and such sister? Oh, she was so good at this, or they were so good at that. It's like you hear those types of things. And for, those were motivations for me to want to be better academically and athletically. Okay, so was there a sibling that you had a, an intense rivalry with? Might be a friendly rivalry, but nonetheless, um, I want to beat you. Yeah, one of my younger sisters, she was more um, academically stronger. Uh, things came a lot natural to her, especially like the math sciences, whereas for me, those were my weaknesses. Um, she was very athletically really good. Um, but some might compare. A lot of a lot of people thought she and I were were twins, but we were not twins. Um, uh, Mom never had any twins, um, so but she would she would kind of strive and push me to a certain extent because um, I always wanted to do better. Uh, and I, you know, we played high school together for three years um, sports, so it was always competitive that way. Was it helpful if you were on the same team with her? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you you wanted her to do well, and she wanted you to do well, and you wanted the team to do very well. So, What about in scrimmages? Did the coach put you on the same scrimmage team or opposites? Um, we were always on the same side. Like like a JV or a varsity, we were always on the, the varsity side. And do you think you would have killed each other otherwise? Um, competitive. We were very competitive, so it's probably best that we were on the same <laughs> side. But even, you know, growing up and in the um, summertime, you know, playing outside, playing baseball or wiffle ball or whatever, you know, you wanted to be better than the one next to you. Um, or you wanted to be on the same team so you could avoid that kind of negative competitive spirit. Um, but, you know, I think hopefully if you have a pretty decent mind, you could realize and see the good that each other has. Um, and hopefully it'll push you to be better or want to be better. Okay, so you go off to college then. And uh, in, in a way, maybe now this is the opportunity to be your own person. Um, did you live at home for Johnson County Community mm-hmm. College? And then when you went on to, was it K-State? K-State, I lived okay, at K-State. So you lived at K-State. I mean, what was that first dose of independence like? I mean, you you know got only maybe one roommate and uh, just to dorm with, you know, just strangers. It would be like living in an apartment or something almost. I mean, what was that like? Um, well, first and foremost, kind of going off on your own and taking, you know, raising your child. Uh, I would say scared, nervous, frightened. I mean, it didn't live at the best part of Manhattan, Kansas at the time, but it was a really nice um, duplex, triplex, whatever you want to call it. It was really nice. But it was in the greatest part of town. <clears throat> so 
I was very, very worried about that. Um, but I kept in the back of my head for me, there was a lot of, it's a means to an end. Just get through it. Don't, don't do anything crazy. Um, you'll, you'll get through it. Were you eager and excited to get out of the house or oh, were you just yeah. more filled with dread of, hey, I live in the bad um, part of town? I was eager to get out, but I was also eager to um, get myself through college so that I could take care of, of my daughter. Um, find a way to take care of her to, and take care of myself. Because <clears throat> those were common, kind of always the back of my things, you know. It was like, oh, you only got two years, just get get through it. Well, you know, it's a means to an end, just get it over with. As a 21 year old, did you have a strong sense of your own identity? I think so. I think so. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, some of the choices that I made, I had to live with and figure out how to do things as best that I could. Um, I had a huge amount of support from um, family and friends, which was, I don't think I would have been here today without them. Um, so <clears throat> that was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. That's just really awesome. Well, Michaela is just A++. Her podcast is just amazing. She's just an amazing mom and and uh, just everything. I mean, she's just fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, you've done a good job. I'd like to think I have. Now, I, I kind of want to ask, I guess, um, just a little bit of, I don't know, let's just call it psychology. So I taught psychology for the first time. And I read the textbook and I ran across just a few ideas that I just never, ever heard before in my life. Uh, and my textbook basically said parents can have essentially four patterns. They can either be warm and strict cold and strict, warm and permissive, or cold and permissive, the textbook comes down hard on in favor of warm and strict. But I'm just wondering, how is your family like with 15 kids, and is that even possible, warm and strict? Like, oh, okay, honey, I love you. You did a bad thing. We have to ground you for two weeks. I'm sorry about that. I love you. I mean, that supposedly is warm and strict, but I'm thinking, gosh, if I had 15 kids... I would just have like a permanent IV of caffeine attached to myself just to function. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, my mom, she went from coffee to tea briefly to beer <laughs> every day. So I get that. Um, oh, gosh, I, of those categories, I would say the um, warm and strict to a certain extent or maybe more of the, the cold and strict. Because I think my mom... And dad, obviously, when you're number 12, they've been put through the ringer. And so there was not a ton of warm and fuzzy um, daily. Uh, but it was, it was you kind of knew your place. Um, I mean, when you did anything great or, or phenomenal or wonderful, your birth, whatever, they were, those were always like the, the, the good times. But there wasn't this warm and fuzzy every... Okay. Just, because... Yeah, there were so many of us. Um, and I felt like my parents did the best that they could. Um, oh, yeah. Provide. I mean, when you're feeding so many people and, and taking care of them, at, you know, that's a lot. How did they, I don't know if this is even possible, but did, did they take individual dates with kids? No. No. My parents, if they were lucky... They would go out to dinner on Saturday nights. That's remember I said, we would eat Totino's pizzas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those 50 cent meals. <laughs> yeah. They, every once in a blue moon, would go eat at Ponderosa. I don't know if you remember that place. I do. Ponderosa. That was their place for dinner. That was a special treat when I was a kid. Ooh, yes. And so my, that was a special treat for my parents. I think they could probably go eat for 20 bucks, if that, if that. And so... Um, that was something special they would would do, but um, they didn't really. You know, I remember several times growing up um, when it was our birthday. You got you. They would sometimes take us out to there. We'd go to Sambo's. Okay. Um, I don't even briefly remember going there a couple times um, for birthdays. Um, that was kind of about it, but nothing. Nothing. Crazy. Okay, so what is Christmas like in your household? Oh gosh, I loved. Christmas, so we always had um, mom's tree um, in the living room, and that was decorated in blue, blue bulbs, 
blue this, blue that. She loved blue. She loved blue green. But then we had, and that was the fake tree. And then in the family room on the other end of the house, um, that was the kids' tree. And that was a big, fat, real tree. Uh, that any ornaments that you would make in grade school, or you know, I remember just growing up doing that. We, you know, we as siblings, you'd make ornaments. Remember the orange, the oranges where you'd put the cloves in, or you make the plaster of Paris. Any types of things like that. Um, that tree was decorated with that, and um, it would take three hours, if not more, to open up presents. And because we do both trees. And it was regimented that you one person opens up a present at a time and you wait till they're done and then it's the next person, you know, crazy. But it was just a lot of fun that way. We didn't get a lot of gifts, but that's just how we did it. Um, and I, I loved that. Uh, I, I love that we took our time, you know, the, the I'm excitement to wait till um, Christmas Eve because we didn't open up anything until Christmas Eve. Um, and it was, it was fun. And Christmas, for some reason, probably due to the fact that you can feed a lot of people cheaply, we always had tacos. <laughs> yeah, tacos. No, thank you. <laughs> we always had turkey. I don't know why. We but always, always had tacos on Christmas Eve. Um, that was our big dinner because my mom would, you know, they would make, I don't know how many dozens of tacos, you know, line them all up in the pans and fill it all up and then you'd come and take um, some people in the family could eat, you know, 10 to 15 tacos. Um, when I was little, I hated tacos, so I wouldn't eat them. I'd have a bowl of cereal. I was kind of the oddball. Um, probably still to this day, like when we have family, they all still want to do tacos. I don't like to do it. I've tried to change it a couple times. They weren't happy with me, so. Captain Crunch Christmas Eve. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to know what is maybe one thing about growing up in a big family, I mean, a really big family, 15 kids, um, what is something that people just wouldn't know, wouldn't be able to guess? Mm. Gosh. I mean, I think what... I, I think the underlying, at least for me, is with a big family, you you learn competition, but you also learn how to take care of yourself hmm. um, and others as well. If something has to get done, you you have to be the one to do it because you know not everybody else is going to do it for you. So my, I mean, I think there was you know when it comes to like what did your parents teach you? I think it was to work hard, have a good work ethic. If you want to get anywhere, it's not going to just be handed to you. Man, that just seems like the exact opposite of what maybe I might have guessed, which is, well, if there's 16 people here, I don't have to do anything. Somebody else is oh, probably going to do it. You knew what you had to do, and you had to get it done. And if you didn't, then there were consequences. So that's why, for me, it was get it done, get it done right the first time. Yeah, otherwise, you have to go back and do it again. Or you don't dare question mom or dad. Um, so that's, that's a big thing that I learned. I guess I struggle with seeing people, um, and even as, as, as being a teacher, seeing students who don't seem to care or want to care. It's like, you put, you do your best on everything you, you, that's handed in front of you. You just do your best. Yeah. A good work ethic is going to get you somewhere. Some people have a lot of safety nets in place, and uh, I guess if they fall off the trapeze, well, then there's always somebody there to catch them. Right. Which maybe, hey, that's fine if you're in kindergarten. We don't want to make kindergarten into the Marine Corps. <laughs> but then sometimes you have like a 16 or a 17-year-old, and, and, you know, this can kind of be just a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, just a, maybe just a little bit of lack of self-discipline. Uh, which was not given to them by the parents or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, now that you're an adult and you're married and you have four kids, and uh, what are the age ranges on your own kids now? Um, well, Mikhail is 30. Jack is going to turn 22 Thursday, so that's eight years. Um, Max is 18, so there's four years. And Sam is 12, so there's a five, six there. So, yeah. I, I, I always knew I was not someone who could do two or three in diapers. and Because I, I saw some of my sisters, and I was like, no, thank you. Um, that was that was just me. Like, I wanted to have, like, a, a decent amount of good time with, you know, the youngest, my child. What's different about your adult life now that you're a mom versus, I guess, growing up in this, this maybe tighter house with 17 people? 
plus pets. I'm not, I'm, I, I would say I'm probably not as strict and regimented as my parents were. I feel like I'm a little more like relaxed, but when I want something done, I think the kids know, get your butt, let's get it done. Um, whereas when my parents said hop, you better freaking hop. Um, so I'm, I would say I'm a little bit more relaxed on that. I would say I would say a lot warm and fuzzier than my parents were. Um, more of the warm and strict or maybe warm and permissive warm and permissive um, I mean to me some things vary at certain situations it can vary of what is needed at that moment um, with one of your kids depends on the situation okay. I mean, you, always want, you always want to know you want your kids to know that they are loved even when they've done something wrong and so it's okay to, to be upset with them mm-hmm. but to also know that they're loved and hating you yeah so that relationships up. can take these right screw up you need to know you screwed up but you also need to know that you are still loved absolutely absolutely that you can always come home there's always a soft place to land like you know you messed up but right and my parents i would say very very unconditional they, they loved each and every one of us and they're the best way that they knew how very unconditional um that's another thing is um love and respect about my mom because you have 15 kids and you all do your own thing and you, someone's going to mess up somewhere. When you were a little girl, how many kids did you want to have growing up? Four or five. Four or five? Mm-hmm, yeah, four. So it kind of worked out the way mm-hmm. that you wanted to. Why four or five? Was there a rhyme or a reason behind no that? No rhyme, no reason. None. It just, I, I knew I didn't want to have as many as my mom. I was like, heck no. And I... I, I had big babies. I was huge. People would always ask me, are you having twins? No. I just have fat babies, okay? <laughs> they were all big ones. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, because I also worked, so I had, to, I, I, ha, I had to be able to work as best as I could and be a mom at the same time as best as I could. Sometimes some things give. Why teaching then? Of, of all the things that you could have gone into, why teaching mm. and coaching? You know, I, I don't know if it's the fact that um, when I was little, we, we played teacher a lot. We lived across the street from the school. So um, very common to get teacher like leftover books and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. as my siblings, we would play school. Um, practice teaching and even if my girlfriends would you know play school when we were real, when I was real little um so I always liked that for some reason and I loved the athletics I loved um that and so I guess the notion of just wanting to um teach kids and try to be impactful I mean I had some wonderful teachers um that um let left a positive impact on me it was really good um grade school and high school so I tried to take what I learned from them um, and applied it to like being my own teacher now. Does working as a teacher work well with raising kids? Oh yeah, to be um, to be home with them, absolutely. Now financially, it's not the greatest and lucrative of all jobs. <laughs> you know that. Um, but <clears throat> teaching at a private school, um, it is afforded the fact that my kids can go. Um, tuition-free, which is very, very, very beneficial when that's something you want for your children is to have a private school education. It does truly help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about teacher pay, but gosh, if you get $10,000 tuition waived, and that's 10000 after taxes, that's quite the work perk. Oh, absolutely. That's really, really good. Absolutely. Okay, now there's this blogger and lawyer that I really respect. His name is Glenn Reynolds, and uh, he's about 60, and he says that he wishes that he would have had more kids. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many he had, but I think he had a bunch. And uh, he also says everybody he talks to that's his age, they all wish they would have had more kids. And if they would have had five, they wish they would have had six. If they had seven, they wish they would have had eight. Um, what are your thoughts on that? My first question, are you the, the, the father? Because <laughs> you're not carrying that child. Um, carrying a baby takes a toll on your entire body all over. But it's a beautiful gift. Um, sometimes I think five would have been great. Um, 
but I'm not, I would say, disappointed or upset. I mean, I got four beautiful, wonderful, healthy kids. Um, and that's always the best thing that you always want is, is healthy kids. Yeah. Um, so they're all unique in their own way, and I love the fact of, of who they are. Um, you know, one completely done, off married, and doing a phenomenal job. One about finished with college. One is getting ready to go to college, and one more who's finishing up grade school. So it's fun to see and watch them all do and take on their own roles. So. And I've had the pleasure of meeting all of them, and I think I know three of them pretty well. And man, they're just great, great people. Uh, let me also ask. Let's say a 17-year-old were to come to you, or, you know, who knows, could be a 22-year-old, and maybe they had you in class. And they say, Mrs. Charlton, you came from a big family, you've raised four kids. Uh, what would be your advice for people who want to be excellent parents? I think kind of one of those categories you said, try to, try to be your best of, you know, warm and strict or, or warm and... Um, permissive. Permissive, or... Take a look back at what, um, maybe how you were raised. Look at influential people in your life um, and try to reflect on how they were. And if, and if you liked how they treated you or treated others and you saw that, if that was a beautiful thing, then, then that's what you try to shoot for. I mean, you're not going to be perfect as a parent. You're, you're going to do the best that you can and you hope um, that's what you, you do and you hope that you impact your kids in such a good, positive way. Um, that they want to still be around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, try to raise your kids in such a way that they actually want to visit you. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to do everything you can to get them out of the house to go to college, but then you got to do everything again for them to want to come back and be around you. With uh, when they hit a certain age, like 30 or 22, uh, do you sort of see yourself shifting from maybe parent to ally or parent to friend or... Or do you still tell yeah. them what to do? Yeah, you know, with my, with my oldest daughter, Michaela... Um, I've always, I've, I've always, you know, read and heard, you're, you're not there to be your kid's friend. You're there to be the parent. And so taking on that role, um, I think up till they get themselves married and have their own kids, it, that's kind of how you're at. But now that you're, um, like, now that I'm a grandma, um, my relationship with my daughter is, is very good. I bet we're not, like, super bestie friends, but she calls on me when she needs something or wants advice or needs help. And vice versa like hey Michaela I need you to help out with your brothers you know um I don't think I'd want it any other way um it has definitely grown stronger um because there's for herself being a mom you know there are things she has said and it's like oh remember when I said that and there's times where she's come back she's like mom you were right and I'm like <laughs> Mom's always right, so it, it, it's good that way, and that that's kind of like the beauty of you. I think as a parent, you realize, I think I did a pretty good job. They turned out pretty decent. And yeah, they they realize that, and um, it's not easy. Um, so that's always a beautiful thing to kind of sit back and reflect on when you see your kids like that. When they call you up and ask for advice. Now, I guess let's uh, turn the table slightly. Do you ever call up your mom? Or your dad at this point no. and ask for advice? Well, no. My, my dad has passed. Um, my mom, she's got Alzheimer's dementia. Mm. So she's, I mean, I haven't been able to do that for five, ten years at least. Um, but, you know, I would, I mean, certain areas I would, you know, call my mom. My mom was a, a, a wonderful, phenomenal seamstress. She did so... I mean, that, that was her hobby. That's, that was her love. Okay. Um, it's something that I want to do. And I am nowhere near as good as she was. So I used to love to, like, go pick my mom's brain or have her help me with something. Um, but I can't do that. Uh, it sucks. She's, she can't do that. Yeah. I mean, her identity, if you were to be able to, is she loved to sew. So uh, can't ask her about that. So, but I guess like most people, you probably just hear their voices in your head. I pretty much know what my parents would say about many, many situations. Oh yeah, I, I tease my children sometimes when they're being on me or doing something. I'm like, you, you, do you want me to go Grandma Mary on you? <laughs> <laughs> in a fun way. Um, do they freeze their arms, like clutching their sides and nodding? Yes. No, there's a lot of oh, whatever, Mom. That was so long ago. <laughs> 
History made current. <laughs> Let me tell you the real side of grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, last question. Um, let's fast forward to uh, many, many years from now, and you are 100 years old, and you are sitting on the front porch of your house. Your loving husband is holding your hand. Your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are all gathered nearby. And you are looking back on a really great life. What three or four things really stand out to you, Angela? Having your faith. I really think your faith is another. I really said a lot about that, but um, that's something also I learned from my mom, very unconditional, as your faith. Um, and being close with your family um, as much as you can. And I think the other big thing would be just knowing, trying to be unconditional with your kids, your grandkids, and whoever, love them for who they are. Um, Which I know can be very, very hard um, at times, but um, if you can do those things, then I think um, the fruits of your labor of all that is going to be plentiful um, out there. Faith, stick with your family, and just love your kids no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And you hope for the best and pray for them every day. Thank you. This was fantastic. I really appreciate you making the time. You're welcome. Thank you for doing all this. This is a nice thing. Thank you for listening to Seemingly Ordinary, a podcast about normal people who have done extraordinary things and or have extraordinary stories. Disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to provide professional, legal, or any other kind of advice, and your situation is fact-dependent, and you should probably seek the advice of a competent professional. The biggest favor you could do for me would be to hit subscribe. The second biggest favor you could do for me would be to check out my books on Amazon. There is an action thriller, The Conspiracy of 1869. There is a book too weird to describe, called The Forbidden Book. And there is a personal finance book that came out of a course I taught. It's Money for Teens, A Guide for Life. Thank you again for listening. Until next time.